My thought for today is, how do we define success in this era, right? So it's from your generation to my generation, right? And, and one of the things that I, that I saw that really stuck out to me this week was I saw a young man, they, they announced the starters for the, for the uh, All-Star game this week. And congratulations to all the, the mm-hmm. you know, to all those young men. But I thought it was odd to me that I saw a young man cry and have that type of emotion being announced as an all-star starter. And as an ex-player, I remembered what brought me to that point. And to watch this generation have that type of a response to being named an all-star as compared to my generation where that type of response wasn't didn't happen until you won a championship and it just made me it was kind of like you know god like is the success of our game today defined by this generation of the individual accomplishment is that different from the response of saying of the previous generation that the actual goal was to win a championship. Like, I can think of so many players that I saw their response after they won a championship. Mm-hmm. That type of response never occurred to me because I got an individual award that it would it would even generate that type of response. You know, you're much younger than I am. What's your reply to that? I think it's a we versus me argument. And I think it's not even an argument. I think it's a... Uh... It's one I, don't know, the, I, I want to make this yeah, clear. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it was I, just it was just the I just noticed it. Yeah. When I when I saw it, and um, I think the layer to the whole conversation is basically with Trey Young, who we're talking about, right? This is his response to this. Trey Young is growing up in a world where his entire career has been responses to whatever he's doing on ESPN Sports Center, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And then he has the Luca trade, and everyone wants to crown, you know, this this great theft by the Mavs and Mark Cuban to get Luca, this generational talent. You know, they fleeced, you know, Atlanta. You know, Trey Young is a, is a shooter. He's a nobody. You know, he he's gonna be bad for this franchise, but he's been great. And I think for him, his emotion was somehow conquering those demons. As much as that is a individual thing, I think that was his reaction. And I think it was like a prideful reaction, but I understand what you're saying as the rest of the people in the NBA. It's it's actually a very young moment, you know, because his career he's gonna all stars won't matter. He'll have so many all stars that he won't, won't right. have that I mean, visceral reaction. Look, look we, like he That's has a talent. He's a yeah. very talented player, and all these players are very talented. But it it, it was just it caught my eye when mm-hmm. I first saw it. Like it just caught my eye. It was like, oh wow, like. I, 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 that was always a response in that generation reserved for a moment where you actually was the best team or you were part of the best, situ- you know, the best team or you're the best, you know, player on a championship caliber team. You're the MVP of the mm-hmm. finals. Mm-hmm. I don't recall having that type of reaction to being named in the All-Star as an all-star I like I but I'm not saying it's right or wrong I'm no, just no, saying no. it's I, just I totally understand it was just a it was just an it was like <laughs> one of those things that like it really st- stood out to me and I was like I just wanted to you know kind of like okay let me understand what's you know 
what's the process so i was started to think about what is what are how do we define success today mm-hmm. is it an individual award is it or the accomplishment of a group and just to kind of I think it's the individual award in the NBA currently because presently we like James Harden, we like Russell Westbrook, we like Paul George, we like Kawhi Leonard, we like LeBron James. It doesn't matter what jersey they wear. We all know that. Kawhi Leonard was a Raptor. No one cares. People still love Kawhi Leonard now he's on the Clippers. And that's what we're talking about. Trey Young, people like Trey Young and the fans of Trey Young want Trey Young to be an all-star so he has appeased his fans in the same way that the Atlanta Hawks are trying to appease their fans by winning. But they aren't. But they probably are more excited about Trey Young being just in the spotlight because people talk about Atlanta. So they get almost second, they get secondary, you know, enjoyment out of the situation. That's the NBA today, I feel like, which is a very strange place to be. But it's also strange, but that's just what it is. Yeah, 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 I mean, I don't know if it's strange, but it's, that's just what it is. It is what it is, but that moment really. What is success? Yeah, what is that question? It was just like, what is success? Like. I don't think Trey Young would even say this is his defining success. I don't believe that. I think Trey Young will have many more successes. But I think right yeah, now well, there's like a conquering of the these demons, which I think hits hard. Like a guy like Markel Fultz, right? Even though he hasn't really said anything like, you guys are all wrong about me. Right. But when you're with the Sixers and people are saying you can't shoot a basketball, you can't shoot a free throw, you should get out of the NBA, and now you're balling for the Orlando Magic, and they're asking you questions about it, he's like, yeah, I knew I'd be fine. Just take some time. I just thought that was interesting. <laughs> All right, let's move on. take away anything no i'm not saying it's right right, but it just like like i've i've seen i kind of don't like the cameras being there more than anything i don't even know yeah i I mean i've seen a lot of people get named to an all-star team for the very first time right (laughs) yeah i you know believe it or not i was an Mm all-star that wasn't my reaction like it was like such a reaction that i was like what is you know, I remember when, you know, the Scottie Pippins and I saw the Horace Grant and I saw a lot of people get named to the all-star team for the very first time. It just wasn't a reaction that I've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And but I the thought, eyes were on the larger prize, right? So it's just a different conversation for you guys. Yeah. Just, I, if Phil I, Jackson I, walks into practice and goes, hey, BJ, you're an all-star. You just go, thanks, coach. Like, and let's, you, let's yeah. keep it pushing. Right, right, and that's right. That's just the day, you know. And but again, no you know, I just was it, it. It just stood. It really stood out to me to like, okay, this is a different generation, mm-hmm. and it's a different time. It's a different time, and, and I guess I'm probably just wanted to understand it probably more than anything. I'm trying to explain it as best I can, but I do think a lot of times everyone, as much as they say they don't read what's going on about them online, they do. They're aware, and I think a lot of the talk about Trey Young has been sideways at times where people want to negate his success on the court whether it's he's third in the nba in assists, but people say he shoots too much you know mm-hmm. uh he's scoring all these points and setting these records but people are saying he's not better than luca and i think it was more of a reaction to all that which i don't like because that's where we live in people care more well, about I mean, proving he, those look, doubters he is on. who he is you know i it, it was just my just my reaction to his reaction i was happy for him yeah but i didn't understand like did something happen that i, I wasn't aware of you know what i mean but you brought out a good point i i i've never thought of it that way but 
It's all right. Not yeah. many people think how I think. Yeah, yeah, that. but no, I, I think he's it's valid and it, it it puts some context into what this young man and what these kids are going through today. And uh, you mentioned smaller guards. You're talking about all the, the group of smaller guards. The biggest thing that this kind of came down to, which is there was this whole reaction because we're talking about bigger guards now. Jimmy Butler gets listed as a small forward. But in the current NBA, there's pretty much two positions. You're a guard or you're a forward, right? I mean, that, that you play two different spots. There is no real small forward anymore. Right. There's a lot of six eight guys that are 3 and D types. But Jimmy Butler basically doesn't get to start, even though the Miami Heat have been great, and he's their quote-unquote best player despite you know we've seen Tyler Hero, Kendrick Dunn, Bam Adebayo a lot of those guys so Butler gets left out which begs the question should we invent a new position the big guard we got we got the small forward do we need the big guard no I I I, I don't want the big guard because small forward sounds normal big guard sounds ridiculous that sounds like a ridiculous position well you know you have you know how how do we say this okay (laughs) The big guard, right? <laughs> Technically, what it is is a shooting guard. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why is it called a shooting guard? Because he shoots and he guards. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that's what he does. <laughs> he, he's a shooting guard. <laughs> so Jimmy's a shooting guard. Jimmy is a shooting <laughs> guard. Okay. <laughs> All right. Last time I checked. Not that small. Doesn't you know, play much out of the post. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so, yeah. I mean the, the uh, everyone's talking about shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Jimmy shooting, Jimmy shooting, and Jimmy guards. <laughs> so he's a shooting guard. Now, the way we watch the games today is interesting because we see more ball handlers than we've ever seen in the past. I think that you know people always ask me what's the difference. I think the difference today is there's more freelance in the NBA game than has ever been. Mm-hmm. Because the game will always had a it always had structure to it. It was always organized. Because you had to, you can't play with other people if you, there's no organization, right? I'm always dealing with four other people on the floor, so there always had to be some organization on the floor. But now there's more freelance than you've ever seen in the NBA, right? I mean, when you watch James Harden, when you watch LeBron James, when you watch these players, I mean. I can't recall since I've been a part of the NBA where I've seen this much freelance basketball at, at that level. Um, so the 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 point guard, you know, you call LeBron a what do you call him a big guard, right? The biggest guard. Okay, he's a he's a big guard, but I've had the opportunity to watch him since high school. He's always been a point guard, mm-hmm. so this isn't anything new. No, of course, that's okay. why he and Kyrie had problems because they're both point guards. I, I mean, yeah, maybe that's report. I don't know. Whatever they did, they won. So, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. You, in the end, you you win. When I say a point guard, a point guard has a responsibility. Just because you have the talent to be to play the position doesn't mean that you actually understand what's going on. Yeah. Just like because you're the best player on the team doesn't necessarily mean that you're the leader of the team. So a point guard, in the truest sense, organizes the game for the rest of the players now just because you can do that when you choose to do it doesn't mean that that's what you do Mm -hmm. so Kyrie can score okay and and I I give you an example when I first saw Isaiah Thomas if he chose to he could have easily averaged 30 points a game Mm -hmm. in this league Mm -hmm. easily so if he made that decision early in his career, he probably, he didn't probably, he would have been Allen Iverson before Allen Iverson. Mm-hmm. 
because Isaiah had all of the skill set to create. He had speed, quickness, handles, all of the things. That little pull up, pull right up, the elbow, score. Yeah. He mm-hmm. could do all those things. If he made that decision to score thirty points a night, without question, he could have did it. Mm-hmm. What he made a choice to do was to say, you know what, I'm going to organize the game in a way where I'll do whatever I have to do because the bottom line here is to win. And I'm not saying now. What does that have to do with Allen Iverson? Allen Iverson made a choice to play the two-guard position. He made a choice. As great of a player as Allen Iverson was when he, in his career, he was unbelievable. I mean, he was incredible talent. Mm-hmm. Imagine if he was playing just against the other opposing teams his whole career against point guards. He was doing this against twos and threes and other guys because he made a choice to be a scorer Instead of a facilitator, facilitator, and Larry whatever. Brown is his head coach, and Larry Brown is this is what a point guard's supposed to do, like you're saying, design the offense, make the offense work together. But but that was a choice he made. Like mm-hmm. that's a choice. You know, you you, you make a choice. Like he's such a great talent. He had those options. Like do you want to be one or two? So you play him alongside like Eric Snow. Eric and Snow those was the point guard and those guys. Team. When I say a point guard, I'm just meaning a guy who can organize the game. I don't care where it's at. You know, Scottie Pippen for us was our point guard, but he was just really an organizer. You try mm-hmm. to make those choices with the so biggest picture, with the big picture always in mind. Allen Iverson almost won a championship as a two guard, but imagine if he just committed to the lead guard position. Would that would have, mm-hmm. I would venture to say, would probably increased his opportunity instead of going to the finals, you know, once and just having a great run. He probably would have gotten there three or four times because of the advantage that he had. He had such an advantage as a lead guard in this league because of his athleticism. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he's by far the, the most exceptional athlete I've seen as a smaller guard in this league. They were fast, and then there was Allen Iverson. He was just on a different plateau than the rest. So those are the decisions that you have to make. You have to make and to figure it out if you're going to win in this league. If you're going to truly invest into the, you know, the the interest of what gives everyone an opportunity to win at that level. Mm -hmm. And that takes a, that takes a huge commitment. That's not something that you, you share lightly because you need talent. And when you see talents like a LeBron James and you see talents like uh, Allen Iverson or Isaiah Thomas or Michael Jordan or what have you, you have to invest in the overall picture because in the end, you couldn't just make Michael Jordan a point guard. You couldn't just make him a two guard. Michael Jordan was, for more or less, he really was a post player disguised as a two guard in this mm-hmm. league, which made him so unique. Because we have never seen a post a a a a a perimeter player attack the game as a post player. That's what people never talk about. Like when you really watch him. And you really recall, he always was on the post. It was the backy down turnaround. Well, he was. We're posting on. He was. He was catching the ball on the post. Yeah, exactly. So, because the game then was played from the inside out, not the outside in. You couldn't just have a steady diet of him backing you down because he was always getting doubled and triple teamed. That wouldn't work. In, in that era because they were double teaming him, triple teaming him, and he had to learn how to catch the ball, make quick decisions, and do things before the double team could come. So the unique thing about him was 
he wasn't just a post player. He wasn't just a perimeter player. He was able, what made him so unique was he was all over the court <laughs> because of we had never seen a player like that. When you're a center, you just put them in the post and you, you do things, you know, you, you, you just bring them to the post. Jordan, would, he would go to the perimeter. He would play in transition. He would play in the half court. Then we, 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 we run him from the post from the three-point line. We run him to the post from starting on the baseline. The defense could never, ever get a grip on the guy because we were bringing him to the ball from angles that the defense hadn't seen yet. That's what made him so unique of a player. So, yes, there were some moments where he did just back you down. But there, most of the time, if you ever watch him, he was catching the ball at angles and doing things he where spots where people had just never seen. The yes. other coaches hadn't seen it. The league hadn't seen an athlete and a player that was able to play below the free throw line with that skill set. Mm -hmm. And that was just ahead of he was just ahead of his time before we actually knew what to do defensively. And I and I think today's game, still we don't know what to do with it because you see Kawhi Leonard you see LeBron James and you see the effect they're having on the game. That's a unique space where you have a, a, a wing player who can play inside and out. Mm -hmm. And that's all, it's all, it's very unique to defend, especially in today's game. You talked about the big picture and being able to identify talent and having a unique outlook. And one of those guys that had that was David Stern. And you, this week, you went to uh, the Memorial in New York for David Stern. There's a lot of people in the NBA that were there. Um, there were a lot of uh, people that were saying very kind things about David Stern. Of course, there's a lot of people that have appreciate appreciation for what he did for the NBA. And, you know, we know the history. We know about Magic. We know about right. Bird. We know about the growth of the NBA. We know about David Stern's stamp on everything in the NBA. But just from your perspective being there in that sort of environment, which is basically a fraternal environment, it's some sort of brotherhood there with the entire NBA uh, populace, I guess. Uh, what was it like just to be in that room and then to know that David Stern was able to see a guy like Michael Jordan and know that guy is that unique of a player? You know, there was a, a little bit of a kinsmanship with everyone because you knew David Stern at least got it at that level, which we're all just looking for people that love the game, and he obviously loved the game. I feel very fortunate to have known David and to have witnessed and watched when before the league was really the league, you know, when there were like 20 or 30 people that just worked in the office, okay? To see financially what this league has done and been able to prosper, hey, it speaks for itself. But there were a lot of people, again, there were a lot of people that contributed to the success of this, of this league. Being on a team is a very unique experience. The fact that we were all able to come together in this unique space. It's a very unique operation and sports is very unique in this sense is that, you know, yes, you need incredible leadership, mm -hmm. right? So you need a league and you need that aspect of it. You need the franchises to do their part. You need the players to do their part. If one doesn't do their part, this whole operation doesn't work. The one thing that I think we all respect about David is that I think David understood the importance of all of the contributors to the, to the bottom line. Mm -hmm. he, under, he, he, he certainly understood the business of basketball better than most. He understood that. And I think that's what you saw when we were all there in New York is that people knew that he understood the, 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 the best interest of the league. 
he understood the best interests of the owners and the people who own these these franchises, and he understood the players. And if and if we can all figure out how to work together, we can have something that's incredible. Mm-hmm. But if if all of us don't work together, none of this works. And I think he got that. Mm-hmm. David Stern understood this business. Mm-hmm. Sports I played when I was in high school. My first experience that of the business is when I started playing in, in collegiate basketball is when I began to understand that, oh, there's a reason I'm playing on Big Monday at 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. in Bloomington, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait a minute, what about school the next night? Well, Big Monday is called and- Da-na-na, da-na-na. Yeah, yeah. So there was a reason I was playing there. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to the NBA, I understood the reason that there were the 82 game schedule. And so I, I got an introduction to this business and we all we all benefited from you know the experience of saying we have an opportunity as long as we can work together and figure that out that we can all grow this and um, that happened on his watch no doubt about it I remember when Adam Silver was the head of NBA Entertainment like what is NBA Entertainment <laughs> you know like now it's <laughs> You know, it's, you know, now you're seeing 10-part series of Michael Jordan coming out here in the spring, and you're seeing, you know, all of the, the marketing and all of the things that the NBA is doing because of the fact that they understood that as long as everyone's working together, we got something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I give all these people credit for that. And you talked about the uh, the business of the NBA globally is what David Stern pushed this out to be. I mean, it became a global industry, and we see that. Now, because the Hornets and we get the Bucks with Giannis, of course, they're in Paris. They're playing a game in Paris. I mean, the NBA basketball is a global game. The Dream Team went to Barcelona. They made Barcelona fall in love with the game of basketball. They spread it to Spain. We've seen that with you know Spain being probably the biggest contender to the U.S. usually in the Olympics, and it's all kind of sprinkled out from there. But I want to introduce a new segment because Michael Jordan was asked when he was in Paris uh, about the conversation about the greatest of all time. David Stern, what he did beautifully with the NBA, I feel like, is the competition was always there, whether it was in conversation about if you love those Utah Utah Jazz teams and you thought that the refs and the NBA was fixed by David Stern to make sure Michael Jordan won. You know, there's that crowd out there that has mm-hmm. that whole conspiracy, mm-hmm. but that's good for the NBA. You know, that's good for David. That, that's what I mean with David Stern. He wasn't only a great businessman. And of course, now everyone knows when you go to the NBA, it is a business and college basketball is a business. David Stern also had this like underworld of just the, the conspiracy. Did Michael Jordan, you know, actually want to go play baseball? All this sort of stuff that came out. And it created like this weird WWE-like allure around the NBA, and that sort of carried over to today, where we talk about Twitter and all this other stuff. And that's also grown with the league, and we got you know the Reddit conversations and the internet, all this sort of stuff. And that drives this whole different viewpoint of the NBA that's so separate. And that is NBA entertainment, I think. That's where that is. And but we still have these amazing players and talents, and I think that's what David Stern catered to because he respected the talent and the craft that became what the NBA is today, which is a beautiful game. At least it is continuing well, uh, on. Yeah, well, I, I, for better or for worse, I lived it. You know, it's easy to just to say the great player and you only talk about the great player. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's easy to do. Right? They won because of this player. The truth of it is no one is that good. 
That's the truth. That's the truth. The truth is no one, no one player is that good where they can do it alone. Mm-hmm. Again, I think David's greatest contribution was his ability to communicate, to get people to cooperate and work in a collaborative spirit. Teamwork. That was his, it was nothing for David Stern to call you, to check in with you as a player. When he would see you, he would stop. Okay, hey Tay, how you doing? You'd be like, I didn't even know he knew what, you know. What's going on? How's your family? Da da da. If he was doing something and needed something for All Star Weekend or whatever, it was nothing for him to be able to have open dialogue with you, mm-hmm. with an owner, <laughs> with his media team, the NBA Entertainment to promote the game and do all those things. He just had an understanding of what the potential of this business could be. Mm-hmm. That's a key word. He could see the potential. Mm-hmm. Remember, the game's been around since 1946. He just saw the potential. Like, everyone saw the potential, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the game is being played all around the world, right? So the potential to have a game that is probably the most popular domestically, but the game is being played in other areas around the world. Mm-hmm. Like... We saw that. Like, it, th- this isn't anything new. Like, you saw, like, the Olympics. We all saw, like, you know, if you were a basketball fan, you – I remember as a young kid, I played in the Albert Schweitzer games in high school, and that was my first time seeing a young Tony Kukoc and a Vladi Divac and Dino Raja and the late Drazen Petrovic. So I was like, oh, wow. God, these guys play different. At the time, it was Yugoslavia. Those guys play different. So this isn't, like – it may be new to this generation. Mm-hmm. I saw this at like 17, 18 years of age. Like, mm-hmm. Right? I went to Germany. Well, that's I remember what, that's the first what it really thing. happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I saw Sabonis before he got injured. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, wow. His son right now may be an all-star. I was like, oh, my yeah. gosh. I was like, man, like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. People saw these exceptional players, Oscar Schmidt. There were exceptional players all around the world. There just wasn't a way for them to all gather into this area now that we call the NBA and it's been marketed as the greatest league. There were some wonderful players all around the world who just wasn't playing in one league where we could all see them. That's it. Mm-hmm. Now we see them and then we want to start saying, writing the story. I saw those guys, okay? When I first saw... Uh, Played for the Warriors, left-handed. What was his name? Uh, Sharunas Mars. I I played against that kid. I was like, oh wow, who's this guy? <laughs> like when I Sabonis and Tony Kukoc and all of these players, they've been here. Now we just had a place where everyone could see them for mm-hmm. the first time, and that's what you see. And I'm saying there was the potential was always there, you know. The Now the NBA is, is basically the Champions League. It is you groom these players to then send well, them the, over yeah, like Luka. And, well, and the NBA, the, the big thing the NBA has done, I think better than any other league, is it's marketed itself internationally mm-hmm. better than any other league. Let's take the NBA game. The NBA game, the rules of the NBA isn't played anywhere else in the entire world other than the NBA. Think about that. Now everyone wants to play in the NBA all around the world. But the NCAA 
has different rules. FIBA. FIBA has different mm-hmm. rules. The G League mm-hmm. has different <laughs> rules. But everyone wants to play in your, the NBA. Your church league has different, different rules. The high school <laughs> high school has different rules. Yes. So uh, YMCA is different, different rules. rules. So why is the only place <laughs> that you can play the NBA game is in the NBA? That's what makes it unique. It's the only place you can travel. It, yes. And the only place <laughs> I got that joke. <laughs> and the only place that's a very unique brand of basketball. True. That's what the NBA did better than anyone else. So if you talk, if you talk about the, the NCAA, the NCAA has a great product, right? It has a great product. But it's only played here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> think about that. Yes. There's it's a lot o- to think about with that. Yeah. yeah. That's- it's only played here in America. That's it. And there's no other place that it's played. Mm-hmm. And you have the greatest players to ever play in the game played, but it's not played anywhere else. Give the NBA the credit to say, okay, if we can make this game and market this game as the greatest game, even though out of all the sports, it's probably the least amount of people that actually play in the NBA, right? They only have like 400 players in the world can actually say that, that as compared to FIBA in Europe, there's probably hundreds of thousands of people. NCAA, hundreds of thousands of people, right? All around the world, China and all the other leagues. But the NBA is the greatest league in the world with the least amount of people playing it because of the ability to market it and see the potential of what it could be. But there's no place to prepare you for that game other than to play it when you get there. And that's what makes it unique to me is because there is no preparation. There is no preparation for it. But they made it where people could see it Mm -hmm. and made it visual. And they and it's got, exclusive, and it's a climb, yeah, and it's a it's, celebration. Yes. And you saw it at the draft. You talked about people, right, right. you know, Trey Young crying about their All Star this year at the draft. I mean, Zion, you know, John ja Moran, it, it, every single guy, R.J. Barrett, every single guy down the line was crying because this is an exclusive club that they just got invited to. Right. So you, mind. yeah. So yeah. So that to me is what makes it unique, is that they did an exceptional job of marketing the game, and that's David's turn. I, I'm not taking anything away from anybody, right? As the technology allows us to do things that we just couldn't do before. Yes, it grows. In 1979, 1980, the game was on tape delay. Mm-hmm. Now, the game, every game is on television right now because technology has changed. So I don't, once you're on a team, you got to give the whole team credit. Like, mm-hmm. it was the right time in the right place. Suddenly, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, ESPN comes around. And that's a game changer because guess what? Everybody around the country now suddenly had an opportunity to get the highlights of a young kid that no one could see. His name is Michael Jordan. Just because of ESPN. Mm-hmm. Without ESPN and that lining up, maybe you never see Michael Jordan. Maybe he's just a guy you heard about. Mm-hmm. Now you're able to see the highlights. Michael Jordan could be David Thompson. Who knows? That's what it, it, does it, it does it. But but that's the decade difference you're saying. It's basically like Phil Ford does not get the same acclaim as a guy who was as a Stephon Marbury because we saw every single thing he did, but and we don't have the same tape of viewership. Well, the, Phil the, Ford. as the technology, it, it, everything's got to line up. Everything's yeah. got to line up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it just like, can't. Like I would love to just say, <laughs> you know, this is the reason why. Okay, yes, 
Yeah. It, it takes a Sliding whole doors. yeah, it takes a whole group and a lot of things to line up. It takes a whole if it was just that simple then <laughs> the XFL would do it. Yeah. Everybody would do it, right? <laughs> you know, I always say this to people I always ask me, you know, what was it like playing on those teams and those championship teams? I was like it was great because you guys never really seen us. So now it becomes more storytelling than actual what you really saw. Yeah. Because you never saw me. You didn't see me play every week. There was no direct TV. You maybe saw me play eight times or nine times a year. And what you, if I had a great game, that game stuck in your mind because you saw Forever. me on television mm -hmm. and it had a great game at a key moment. Yeah. And suddenly now that one game makes me a, uh, he he was a he was a clutch player. Well, you didn't watch all the other you know ninety games that I played. I just had that one game in the right time and right space because there was no way to see me back then. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I just always want to just there. There were so many wonderful people, and clearly, clearly, I want to make that clear that David was hey, it was on his watch. You know what I mean? It was on his watch, and he did a, a masterful job. But I think we have to say everything lined up for us when I say us everything lined up for this league to where you had look you had Wilt Chamberlain Oscar Robertson mm. Jerry West all of these wonderful players Kareem. you just never saw them mm -hmm. you would see Kareem yeah. you know because he was a celebrity as yeah, well. yeah. You, yeah you know you just there were some magnificent players but the truth of it is you never got a chance to see them like you have the access for them today you know, it's, it's just great. You know, I was just in New York, and it's it's always phenomenal. You get on the train, and everyone's watching something on their phone. <laughs> that wasn't around when I was coming up. But now I can watch and see anything and everything, which gives you greater access, which gives you more things to discuss, and, and, and that's, that's good for the league. And let's hope that the league will put out all the footage of you guys so we can watch you play more than nine or ten times. And the greatest thing that they had uh, on NBA TV was one open court, uh, which was a, a, just a great show, which is basically everyone right. coming on to pop off on each other. Uh, they have all the classic games. Like one time I was in your office, I remember we were watching one of your games, and you were like, I don't even remember what happened. Right uh, there. <laughs> and that, so that was one of the nine games that America watched, but you played sure. great in that one, so that was good. That probably stuck with the, the repertoire. People were excited sure. about that. Uh, and then you brought up Allen Iverson earlier, and I was watching about 10 actually it's probably about 15 years ago NBA the the inside the NBA guys uh, they had a draft and they had everyone come in and they were going to do an all-star draft and it was an all-time draft so everyone Chuck had the first pick in the all-star draft Chuck Charles Barkley Charles Barkley and Charles Barkley goes with the first pick you know Ernie's setting them right. all up and Kenny's wife was the one that was putting the cards up you know it was a, right, it was right. a whole show first pick they gave it to him and he goes Allen Iverson this is an all-time draft. All the players that have ever played in this beautiful, you know, association right, like right. you're talking about in the, in the NBA. He says Allen Iverson because Allen Iverson in an all-star game is going to put up at least 80 points if we let him go. Give him the green light. Now, he got confused about the rules of what this was. He thought that this was drafting for an actual NBA all-star game, which is coming up in right, February right, in Chicago. Right. So he takes Iverson first. Everyone is dying laughing. <laughs> and, but it just made me respond to what you were saying about Iverson earlier in the sense that if he played the one, he, he, he could be putting up 80 points a game. And that's what Charles Barkley's respect. Yes, he was wrong in what his pick was, but also that's the respect for Iverson. Well, I don't I think he was wrong. You know, it, like, it was wrong. But I mean, I'm just telling you, if... If, if Allen Iverson had to, if, if, if Don Nelson drafts Allen Iverson in 2009 instead of Stephen Curry and says you actually have to play point guard and you have to pass and you have to have some vision and you have to play the one, 
who knows what Allen Iverson does. First, he may fight Monte Ellis, but second, he may become yeah, a great point yeah, guard yeah, that yeah. averages eight assists a game. Look, in the end, you're always going to play to your strengths, exactly. right? And, and that's very difficult to do in, in this league is to be able to, you know, and all of the things, I think one of the most difficult things, I think the most difficult thing when you come in this league is to be able to be able to manage the other four players on the floor. Mm-hmm. And especially as a young point guard. So that's why I have so much respect and love for this kid, John Morant, because he just can't come in and play. He actually manages the game. And that's that's very difficult to do up here, right? Because you're managing not just other players or other uh, people your own age. He's managing men, right? And he's managing the game. And it's a long game. It's a 48-minute game. And he's doing a, a, a masterful job of doing that, being able to know when to score, when to shoot, and when to do other things. And and the hardest thing that you can teach a player when he comes to the NBA is when to pass and when to shoot. Mm-hmm. And John Morant has figured it out, right? He's figured it out. And there are a few players that get that. And anytime you have an all-star game, right, the greatest players are always the players who pass the ball. Mm-hmm. So if I'm saying an all-star game, an all-star game, I'm picking Magic Johnson or Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd, all day. Because those guys do what every team is looking for, right? Because everyone is can score. Everyone yeah. can score. And when I go back to USA basketball, I think it should be written as a as a as just a, you know just an observer that. When Jason Kidd played on the USA basketball, to me, that was the turning point after the Dream Team mm-hmm. is when he decided to come and play. Is because he was the one player that could manage Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and all of those Carmelo. guys. Carmelo. Carmelo. Yeah. He was the one mm-hmm. player that could do it. Not many people could do that. He, To me, he was the player that – was able to manage that situation. He was the organizer. He was the, so Carmelo. You're playing before, you and you're shooting. Whatever it is, but mm-hmm. he 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 just had that gift. Mm-hmm. He had that gift. Magic had that gift. In the All Star setting, those guys are incredible. They're just they're just you know Isaiah Thomas had that gift. Allen Iverson, you know, he was a scorer, and he had a scorer's mentality. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. So the fact that he knew that about himself, you know, that that's that's great too. Mm-hmm. But if he was able to have that along with what he had, as great as he was, mm-hmm. God, I can't, I, you can't imagine because he was so explosive as a scorer, but imagine if he could organize and do all of the other things as well. It just puts him... I mean, he was already in a different category just the way he played. But then now having that just puts it, – it just it, it just does something else that we hadn't seen before. So, um, you know, if you're just saying all-star, Jason Kidd and Magic, <laughs> oh, man, they, they were – That's and what was, we need to create. Right? Jason, we, need, yeah. we need Shaq and Barkley to do that draft. Yeah, and, and, and Jason there, we'll Kidd. Right. Yeah, Jason Kidd should be the first pick. When he played for, for USA Basketball, I thought that was a defining moment. Yes, for 
where they were putting together the, putting together that team. I know I can't remember the name they call it the the redeem team, redeem or whatever, team, whatever yeah, they yeah. did. I thought he what, was. I can't clearly, remember what they called the Larry Brown team. In yeah, Athens. yeah, the one that, that's the one that lost, right? <laughs> yes, Is that the one? Yes, yeah. they were the ones but that got Browns. He, Jason Kidd, to me was he. He's one of those players, and I think he set the tone, and I think the USA basketball benefited because that made it cool and okay to play with USA basketball because Jason Kidd had that unique ability to do so. If Rasheed Wallace had played in 2004 instead of Carlos Boozer, it's a different tournament. Yeah, she, man. He she would have won it. Because she just won with the Pistons. A, yeah, he... Then he needed a break. Rasheed is a... Uh, win, you know, gold medals, man. Come on. Man, he, he, he's one of my favorite <laughs> talents. I mean, him... Only the real... Yeah. Him, Derek Coleman, <laughs> and those guys. I mean, Stefan Marbury. You just saw so many wonderfully talented players, right? Steve Francis. Steve Francis, yeah. Kevin Garnett. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you, you had at all planned at the same time, you had Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Rasheed Wallace, Chris Webber. Vince Carter. Uh, Antoine Jameson. All these guys were playing at the same time at the power forward position. Oh, at the power forward. Yeah, oh, they're yeah, yeah. a great player. Well, I'm just saying you yeah. had a lot of wonderful, talented players, but it just, <laughs> just those guys. Yeah, were all playing at the same time, and and you kind of didn't know who was going to be oh, man, the, the greatest out of all those because I mean Weber would probably be the right answer. Yeah, you, you had a young say. Dirk too. Don't yeah. forget him. Mm-hmm. You had a young Dirk. You know, I mean, but DC people don't give him enough credit. Derek Coleman was as gifted as any of those players. Mm-hmm. Derek Coleman was as gifted as Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett and Rasheed Wallace and all of those players. Chris Webber, Dirk Nowinski. DC was a major problem. He wasn't a little problem. He was a major problem. And that's that's what uh dude, I mean, he also got Sean Kim back in those Oh man. So, yeah, you Sean Kim. I mean yeah. You know, Derek Coleman, but he was Derek Coleman was a Hall of Famer. Rasheed mm-hmm. Wallace is a Hall of Fame talent. Mm-hmm. These guys are Hall of Fame talents. Mm-hmm. They're the best of the best. <laughs> and then let's not take a, and then uh, okay, let's put this in context. You had Carl Malone yes. playing, uh-huh. and you had Charles Barkley playing. And I'm just telling you guys that I knew had just as much talent as those guys. Mm-hmm. And Carl Malone is he scored thirty six thousand points or whatever he did. Yeah, he's like second all time. But it was monster of you know players. I'm not you know it's not back then. It was just better or worse. It was just this league was stacked with incredible gifted players. Robin, these guys were coming off the bench. You know what I mean? You had James Worthy. I, I mean, these, I'm just naming guys. You know, just coming off the top. But there were just so many gifted players. But make it no doubt about it. Derek Coleman and Rasheed Wallace, their talent was at the elite level, mm-hmm. the top of the top Rasheed of the top. can do anything. R- Rasheed was at the elite. <laughs> now, I, now, I saw him. There's nothing uh, like I ain't saying I saw them all, but I saw most of them. Mm-hmm. Rasheed Wallace and Derek Coleman, you, I don't care what era, what generation, mm-hmm. and both of them was every bit of 6'10 to 7 feet. Mm-hmm. And they both had big hands, jump shots. And they were stretch fours and stretch threes before we even knew what to call them. And they had a post game, both of them. In a clinical post game. Oh, no, and they, like yeah, a no, well no, tall, no, like Bill Guthridge yeah, textbook yeah, post game. And, yeah, and they, they were shooting threes before we even knew what that was <laughs> from the four position. Derek Coleman and Rasheed Wallace. Just uh, different. They, oh, man. They, 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 Just built different. Incredible talents. I love that. Uh, all right, BJ, before we get out of here, 
Uh, we always do Planet Bars. This, oh. our, this is where we talk about music for a little quick second before we get out of here. Uh, I was driving in today, and I was listening to the new Dreamville record, and I, I was inspired because I was like, BJ needs to listen to all these new songs. You know what I mean? He's going to be very excited about this. It's a re-release, so Dreamville... Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Dreamville released last year, uh, you know, Revenge of the Dreamers. Oh, I heard, I heard yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I heard yeah. that one. And then they, they added 10 more songs that were in this new package. Really? Yeah. When did it come out today? Uh, January 21st. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Then last okay. week. Yeah, I yeah. Got, I so you got to listen to that. Okay. But regardless, it's Grammy weekend. So we just want to know where your head's at in the music world. Are, are you feeling good about Grammy weekend? Are you involved I'm, I'm in Grammy feeling, weekend? I, I, are, are, you, are you out of the music world? Where are you right yeah, now? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I plan We're on attending. We're all playing attending. in bars, but we don't know where yeah, you I are. Yeah, I plan on attending <laughs> attending this uh, attending. Grammy. Yes, nice. I, I, I want to attend. Um, will attend. I, I will attend. I, I, I want to see... Some of my favorite artists. I'm in for. I'm really excited because who's performing? Do we know who's performing? Um, I don't. I'm not know. really sure, just, but I know. I, 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 I heard through the grapevine that Run DMC is performing. <laughs> oh wow! So I, I, I'm really excited about them. I think they're performing with Aerosmith. Oh wow! So I'm really. I'm, wow. I'm excited about Steven them. Tyler never going yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, Always. Yeah, back. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You he know, will continue uh, to walk this way forever. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm not sure who will be headlining, um, but I'm excited to go. Right. I, I always like to go. I always like to support. And but more importantly, you know, I'm sure there'll be some surprises there and something mm-hmm. to see. And um, Frank Ocean, maybe that's what people were saying. Yeah, yeah. So it's always great. But I, 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 as I you think know. you always say that in the music world, though. Anything that happens, you just say Frank Ocean might be there. People yeah, yeah. Like, oh, uh, <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah, well, you it's know. like Lauren Hill. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, Lauren Hill might be there. Yeah, I, I, be I saw her in concert. Oh, it was unbelievable. When was it? This summer? Was it this? Summer? Yeah, I think it was this. Wow. Past fall, I saw her, mm-hmm. and Dave Chappelle came out. Oh man, it was great. And then uh, it, 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 and then the surprise. Who opened up for her was EPMD, mm. and it was unbelievable. <laughs> it was when I tell you, <laughs> it was at See, the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, oh yeah, wow. I mean that's you different. know, she came out uh, common. Oh. It was unbelievable. It was like a, uh, I think De La Soul. It was unbelievable. Like the, it was just an unbelievable show. Like I was in music heaven. Um, but I mean, God, she put on an amazing show. I mean, Dave Chappelle was a, it was he was hilarious. It was just it was just a great show. We need a Lauren Hill album that is basically with skits with Chappelle. I need anything yeah, with yeah, Lauren yeah, Hill yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. And, and Lauren Hill, oh man, she oh man, she sounds better live to me than than the, the album. It was it was great. Yeah. The other day I was driving and and Common was it was a, some Big Sean song. I can't remember what it was, but he said, "Bought a Cadillac, call me Cadillac Com." And I thought to myself, I started busting out laughing, <laughs> and I said, "That's the most common thing I've ever heard." Yeah, he bought a Cadillac what? like that. <laughs> You know that what? was like his bragging. He's like, I Man. got a Cadillac. Like, we got to end Jay-Z's, that. Like, Jay-Z's that's talking about a Mercy Lago 24 Planet seven. Bar. That was like. <laughs> that's, that's what he hey, said. Hey, that's. that's <laughs> hey, like, they, like they say, that's healthy. That that's was healthy. A, that, yeah. that's healthy bought right. a Cadillac, called him Cadillac. Cadillac calm. Calm. Yeah. Yeah, I ain't mad at that. That's kind of nice. <laughs> that was real. Made nice. me laugh, and I was like, "Man, common would buy Cadillac. Yeah, smart man. Absolutely. Always been frugal. Always uh, been smart." Oh yeah, we definitely want to give a shout out to Georgia Ann Muldrow, uh, Grammy nominated, pushing and, through, um, pushing through, and she's <laughs> she's doing her thing. So definitely want to give her a shout out, and uh, to all of the artists that are out here. You know, this group is definitely supporting the music, meaning we're buying the music. We're not just downloading it, mm-hmm. and. Um, but no, it's, it's great. Definitely for, for sure with Georgia Ann. We should say uh, every poet just wants to be loved. 
So just show love to all these artists. And uh, we'll be back next week, pushing through. See you then. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>